Kaputa Matariki, Karere Fanui, Kote Tohute Na Ote Tauhau. Matariki appears, Fanui starts its flight, the sign of the new year. Enga mana enga reo nau mai tahuti mai ki tēnei o ngā hōtaka e kia nei ko Tiahika, kou tēnei ko Justine Murray. This is Tiahika on RNZ, our weekly kaupapa Māori show providing a snapshot into the ao Māori, the Māori world. This week I'm back in Gisborne with psychiatrist Dr Diana Kōpua, who designed a Māori kaupapa approach to mental well-being. Using... Pūdāko stories, our whakapapa, allowed him to um, externalise. And so we used the whiteboard and share the stories and it just allowed him to find meaning behind his distress in a way that wasn't predetermined from a clinical lens. And Te Kehukehu Pātara also provides his perspective about mental well-being and reverting back to a world reminiscent of his elders. The marae was the beacon for everything. Te wahi whakatū hui a ko te kaupapa alera tu ke te maria ki reira. Ka whakawhiti-whiti kōrero whakaaro rāne a hako e kaupapa paku e kaupapa iti e ngari koe na ke te wahi hei whakatakto hi hei mua te maria. Ka kōrero hia. Um, we don't do that now. That's coming up in this edition of Tiahika Eakunui Eakurahi no Mai Haramai Kiteko Papa Nei. When you are not well mentally or physically, what's your first approach? For many of us, it may consist of making a doctor's appointment, perhaps an aspirin or taking medication might suffice, or just simply to rest up. Western approaches to health and well-being has, for most of the world, led to the erosion of customary indigenous practices, as highlighted by Gisborne-based psychiatrist Dr Diana Korpua who, along with her husband Mark Korpua and Patrick Bracken, have created a model, Mahiatua, a Māori approach to mental well-being. Mahiatua, in essence, is a Māori approach to negotiating emotional conflicts based on indigenous deities, narratives and healing practices. In a sense, it's a reclamation of indigenous knowledge that ties in with just being and keeping well. Tiahika caught up with Dr. Diana Kopua at her Wananga space, downtown Gisborne. We begin here with her explaining what led to a career in psychiatry. I think that I grew up, like many urban Māori, mm. noticing some injustices but not knowing how to articulate them. And also when we would be taken back home to Tikitiki and Rangitukia, knowing these differences but not knowing how to articulate them as a child. And I was a teen mother and I had two children by the age of 20. And I tried to get into physiotherapy 
So I didn't know what that looked like, but I just knew I really enjoyed Midi Midi. And um, I got told by Otago University that I didn't have enough qualifications and to try nursing. And because I lived in the pa in Takupuwa here, across the road was Parumuana Polytech. Mm. So, and I'd heard that they were really keen on having uh, young Māori and that my skills as a mother that I was developing uh, would be an advantage for me. So I went into nursing and there were five of us who were Māori at that time. It was a time that uh, the Eddie Harpati Ramsden had um, introduced uh, cultural safety, ho into the health system. And it was a time where the nursing paper, the, the national exam, incorporated 20% of its paper to cultural safety. Mm. So all of a sudden, who we were, regardless of how connected or dis- disconnected we were, mattered. I did a placement at a newly established Māori mental health service, Te Whare Māori in Porirua, and it felt like home. So from nursing led to psychiatry, psychology? Psychiatry, yeah. So what a journey. So as soon as I uh, graduated, I was introduced into mental health. It was a time where I became the first community Māori mental health nurse in Porirua. And so becoming that meant determining what that might even Look look like. And so... We ended up being leaders of something we were still developing. I only worked with Māori. I utilised Māori approaches, and there were some amazing people, Paraire Huata, Mason Jury. All those people were developing amazing models, and I was tuturu following them. All the while, having colleagues looking at me thinking, you shouldn't be in this position, you haven't worked in mental health for, for more than five years, why aren't you working with non-Māori? I didn't really understand that. I, I knew that there was resistance, but I just pushed ahead anyway. What happened is that we were asked to establish a Māori health training program for psychiatric registrars, so those doctors who were training to be psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. And there was a small group of us from Te Whare Māori who uh, d- designed it, and then myself and Lisa Charrington coordinated it as well as presented in that training program. So we were the first Māori health training program for psychiatrists. I and I'd, I'd developed Mahiatua back then, and I noticed that even though we were using Māori approaches and it was a kaupapa Māori service and it was designed to develop and nurture and sustain Māori approaches, the Western ideology was absolutely uh, entrenched in our way of knowing. Were you, in a sense, were you trying to open up a portal to Māori ways of doing things to I, yeah, I draw think, it out? In a sense? I think we all were, I think, and I think we all still are. How was this realised, this, this kaupapa? When I first started working at Māori Mental Health, the cultural worker there was someone who was very clear about his religion and it was not Christianity and it was our, our mātauranga Māori. That resonated with me. Um, I grew up on a street in Ngāti Tor Street where you know, half of the street were Mormon, half of the street were 
Rastafarian. Now, that's an absolute generalisation, but that was my perspective as a young child. And when I think about what that's meant for me, I I never really, and my family didn't either, uh, follow any religion. Mm. And so... When I went to a course in at Fitiraya Polytech full time, uh, we were learning te reo, me on the tikanga, and when we got to the last wahanga, it was about te orokohanga and about um, pūrāko, and we had to learn the pūrāko, but not in English. It was all in Māori, and so while we're learning these pūrāko, a I hadn't heard some of them before, but B, they were itereo, and I swear I levitated by it, by that experience, because as students of the reo, we had to conceptualize the the context of the pūrāko and its relevance in our world, and that was phenomenal. So after I finished that course, and during that course, I was already thinking when I go back to nursing, because I'd taken a break out, mm. when I go back to nursing, this is what I'm going to do. This is it. The two case studies in your in your paper and how uh, Mahiatsua uh, impacted them, they were going through a few uh, mental issues or mental um, problems. And how, how did that work with these two particular case studies? The case study with the young man who'd come back from Australia, his mother was so worried about him. He was really, really distressed. And using Pūrāko stories, our whakapapa, allowed him to um, externalise. And so we used the whiteboard and share the stories and it just allowed him to find meaning behind his distress in a way that wasn't predetermined from a clinical lens. And what that did is shaped his mother and her listening skills in thinking about how to listen to her son's distress and then also for her son to be able to listen to her when you use the story to think differently about a problem. Sometimes when we are in distress, we... We can cycle and use the same words and the same way of understanding the problem and we it becomes a vicious cycle. So when we just shift the lens, we've got this other agenda, of course, to strengthen their identity, reconnect them to their whakapapa, and, but, but at the same time, it becomes a little bit like narrative therapy, although all of those other political messages around that. And so that really supported them and mum always wanted to come in to Wānanga. So they were always there together. They showed up. Mm. They didn't miss appointments. They were present. And this boy, he, he was on medication. And it helped him sleep. But we, A, talked about some of the disadvantages of taking medication long term, which he liked hearing about because... The messages that we share in society is that you have to be on this forever. And I, sometimes they're, they're not articulated in the, or the we're not, hmm, they're, they're community messages, they're societal messages. But the reality is we do break, we do fall apart, and we 
almost believe that taking this medication can stop you from ever breaking again, and there is no evidence that that does that. Do you, is there a fine balance you have to to in terms of the the clinical approach and the holistic approach? Yes. Now, I've never been one to follow systems um, rigidly, and one that ca- I'm someone that can um, cope with chaos. And I, and so with the development of Te Kuwatawata, that actually has become more, we've become more articulate in that very area. But what I had been introduced to in 2009 was an, uh, an evaluation tool that really focused on whānau being the centre of everything we're doing in the room. Mm. So if the whānau wanted me to be a typical Western doctor that society expects and they asked for that, I needed to offer that. But I did not believe that because the system said I needed to be a particular way that I needed to be that way. In fact, once I become a consultant psychiatrist at the end of 2014, um, and my supervisors had said to me, the world's your oyster now. You can shape your practice how you want. But I also know that although I can cope with chaos, processes were very important. And in order to work differently, I needed to make sure that I was helping uh, reconfigure systems processes so that mahiatua fit in in a safe way and wasn't owned by the system. Those pūrāko belonged to Ngai Māori, and I was very clear about that, and that I was just trying to use this approach to, A, reconnect you back to your whakapapa, as if, and that's a cheek of me. I'm not a whakapapa <laughs> guru, but I do know some things, some stories, and I wanted this person alongside me to truly find strength in being Māori. We're in this space, this is Te Kurahuna, this mm-hmm. is where the wānanga takes place and whānau and organisations who want to learn more about this kaupapa actually come here, mm-hmm. kāpai. And so you run this place, uh, space with your husband, uh, Mark Kōpua. What's his um, What's his contribution to, to the kaupapa, storytelling? It's big. It's so big. Mark is um, a traditional carver yes. and then changed trades to become... Um, a moko artist and was part of that group who reinstated facial moko into our society. And when we met, it just took Mahiato to another level, A, because of the knowledge, but B, because of his position in this community in the Tairawhiti. And so as a, as a mataora, being able to, and as a psychiatrist, so I know that where I'm positioned in psychiatry is high in the ladder, in the chain. But for me, as a Ngāti Poro woman disconnected from my Ngāti Poro tanga, I, I knew that I could use that power as a wedge. Yet again, another word for mataora, another definition, as a wedge. And so I am that wedge to ensure that the psychiatric services downscale our psychiatric knowledge system and increase the knowledge of our communities. And there are so many people out in the community that have tried 
all the time to reinstate indigenous ways of knowing and have been shut down. I see my position as keeping the door open. So his his position is big. It's <laughs> it's it's been existing. People go to Mark to recover from uh, something that has been distressing for them to overcome a whānau suicide. Their stories have been marked into their skin for years, and so all he has been doing is just being himself. I do, I do think that there's a a part of our brain that when we train it up that we become better with analogies and metaphors. But I also think that sometimes just offering a gift just because um, can be really therapeutic. And most people who come into the door for the first time, and if you are engaging Mahiatua as a healer, as a storyteller, um, this is a, a great story, and that's the one of when the children of the sky and the earth were in this restricted space and one particular atua, ke kerewai, identified a problem, reached out to Toroi Waho, and both of these are atua Māori that not many of us have heard about. No. And then another atua, Uepoto, uh, is the one that saw the light, the hinātore, and we draw that on a board. So everyone that comes into our space has a problem, and that phase of that particular storyline we call inoho tatapunga atua. And so that is that the atua were in a state of restriction, similar to you when you come in with this problem. Your idea about how to find a solution has been restricted. Yep. And what we want to do is open the door of opportunity for you to find those resources that yourself. Light, that light you were just yeah, talking about. And do it collectively. And the more people in the room, the more ideas can be offered to the problem. He uri au no te tai rāwhiti, ko hikurangi te maunga, ko waiapu te awa, ko ngāti parau te iwi. Kwa utera. Tēnā koe, psychiatrist Dr. Diana Kōpua no te tai rāwhiti, who, along with her husband Mark Kōpua, have designed Mahi Atua, a Māori approach to mental health. For more information about their work, head to rnz.co.nz forward slash teahika. We've posted up some useful links. Te kehu kehu pātara grew up with an inherent connection to things around him. The environment, Māori practices and knowledge systems, Māori language, all of which he says derives from te atua, or God. So what's his take on mental well-being? Well, he does agree that stories and narratives from Atua Māori or Māori gods is a good starting point. For him, now aged in his 60s, he's finding himself more and more inclined to go off the grid, as he explains. Mm. I think we need to go back to Chimatana. Uh, that's a disconnection for a lot of us as Māori. And within that area there, we've lost so much things. The whakapapa, um, look back at the health of our old people in comparison to this time. 
what they were eating at that time. Um, ngā mahi, ngā mahi, mahi ngā rātau i tawa wā. Uh, I think it was, um, it kept their mind, it kept their body busy all the time. Mm. And, and that was um, survival, really. Like for me growing up on the Motereo Motiti Nui Anaki, a lot of the days were spent out in the fields, uh, growing maize, growing kumara, riwai, wetahi atuonga, hua whenuara. And in saying that, Every day was full on doing From dusk to dawn. Yeah. Now, in this era, you don't see many marakaye, not like before. To go to a house, <clears throat> it was common to see half an acre or an acre or more of just marakai. So you can just imagine the effort and the, the work that was put into tending those gardens. I do remember as, as a as a child, being out there and, and weeding and everything. Um, it was like we weren't told to. It was just the norm. The Karawa and Kuya were out there, your parents were out there, so that was part of the ritual, wherever they were, you were. If they went to the beach and they were diving and fishing, you went there too. Unbeknown to you that you were learning the skills that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see a lot of that. <clears throat> I think um, here, dare I say it, there's not many of us of my age, the Rianga, uh, that, that still go out diving. Yeah. You know, and now I have a three-year-old, a four-year-old moko now that I started this summer, and she can dive. Oh my God! <laughs> she's out there in the middle of the ocean with me, and she's not afraid. Um, see, they're, they're, all this too is a hinengaro thing, eh? To take them out and to make their mind and body and everything feel comfortable within the wawatangaro. So, is it awareness? Is it consciousness? Is it being aware? You've obviously pushed. Um, the tayao, the environment to mm. your mokos with tangaroa and the ocean and connection and maunga is that a big part of that's a, that's a big part that's a big part he nui hoki ngā ngā rawa kai roto i te tayao haere ki te hikoa i pikeake ki runga te tihi ho o ngā maunga ngā maunga tapu nei nā e ara hoki tēnā i te mahi Ka te chitirora koe, engari he mahi whakapakari tīnana, whakakorikori tīnana. Mental fitness. Mental fitness, fitness more for the body and everything else like that. Yeah. Kia ora, kia ora matua. So, so Diane Korpua is talking and she acknowledges the taiao and the environment, but she talks about pūrako, storytelling. And uh, when I sat with her, she talked about the uh, the corridor of Mataora, Niwarika, Rarohenga, mm. Um, were you surrounded by examples of, of pūrāko? Is that a means of, um, of, yeah. of identity, of your own culture? It was stories told mainly to do with ngā tua Māori. Okay. Te mahi a tangaro, te mahi a tāwhiri māte, a haumi a tiketeke, uh, ngā kai a humai no te rātua, no tēnā. Where do you get your kai yeah, from? Yeah. And, and koe nake ngā pūrākau. Uh, 
So if we go back 30, 20 to 30 years ago, how in your opinion did Māori, how were they able to maintain a good sense of self and mental wellness? I think there's a, uh, there's a gap in between. Like in the time of my parents and, and my grandparents there, the marae was the thing. The beacon. The beacon for everything. Te wahi whakatū hui a ko te kaupapa Aerea tu kē te māria ki reira Ka whakawhitiwhiti kōrero whakaaro rāne Aha ko e kaupapa paku e kaupapa iti Engari koe nā kē te wahi hei whakatakto hi hei mua te māria Ka kōrero hea um, We don't do that now You know, uh, even to have hui amongst your own family if there's a, you know, kaitahu a heke, te tayonga tamariki ne, ara, me whakatū he, he wānanga i roto i tōunga ke kāinga kōrerohia. Ke kitea ke ke te, te whānau i te tai huarahi hei paenga mo, mo te katoa ne. So let's ne. talk about it so at your talk. whare and let's work through the kaupapa or yeah. the, the, the discussions. <coughs> so, e nui hoki ngā mea kaputa mahi te kōrero. Yeah, so if a, if a person sits there silent, then they're going to be ignorant of what's going on around them. Mm. Mm. So then does it mean that as years have gone by, from the time of, um, our, of, of your, your elders, there's uh, um, a huge disconnect? I think there's, a, there's that gap. Uh, but uh, the revival of our reo mm. and the kohana reos, uh, I think uh, we're heading in the right direction. You know, mm. From the language we shall spring forward as Māori. Matereo,katakamaikenga,meakatonga,fakapunokinga,chuomau,matereo,ah,kamuhioke,tatokinga,fakapapaikinga,hedenga,kitena,iwi,tena,iwi,kitena,waka,kitena,waka,kamuhio
We know different than our ancestors, especially Polynesians, when we left with those same canoes thousands of years ago. How they knew they could go? Because they had faith. We're in the same journey today. And so, kind of answering your question also, same thing. You know, it's, that, it's, that, it's that belief that we have to have that faith in a better world. We have to have that same courage that our ancestors had in many ways. Coverage from NASA, the Native American and Indigenous Studies Association, who hosted their three-day conference at the University of Waikato. Academics and scholars gathered to discuss issues that impact Indigenous people on a global scale, but it was also about the global awareness of moving away from Western societal norms. That's coming up next week. Thanks for tuning in to the show. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Search RNZ Tiahika. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Kote Manako Iakapaita Koto Wiki, Modi 2, Modi Ora.